in the horror genre. I'm your host, Nicole, and it's time to share another dark tale. to believe but here we are wrapping up yet another year of life and of course horror as you know i've been less active this year than probably any other so i am not necessarily the top source for a thorough recap of 2021 but i do want to talk about what i did see this year and also a little bit about what's coming in 2022 So what I want to do is start with things that were brand new to everyone this year and then move on to things that may have previously been released but were new to me. Because new horror is wonderful, but it's also important to carve out some time every year to revisit the things you might have missed. So starting off with 2021 releases, I'm going to be covering uh, movies and series. Now, although I tend to be pretty behind with new movies for whatever reason, uh, I seem to keep up with new series pretty well. So the first few things I want to talk about are series. First of all, I want to talk about Dr. Death. Dr. Death is a series that is based on a podcast that I think came out, I don't know, two or three years ago. Um, I've heard about it, but was never super interested in listening to it. Um, It's basically about a doctor, a surgeon who botched a bunch of surgeries and, uh, and that's all I knew. I didn't know, you know, what the the deeper plot or meaning or characters or anything were. Um, It is based on relevance. However, we saw that it was available as a series on Peacock and uh, I was interested in the cast. Uh, Joshua Jackson is Dr. Death. And then there's also Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin are in it. And uh, David, my husband, was interested in watching it. So we were like, okay, let's let's give it a shot. And um, just ended up being sucked in from like the very beginning of the first episode. Um, it was just a fantastic series all around. Um, now, this isn't really horror. It's, it's true crime. But it's close enough to horror, horror adjacent, if you will, that if you are a horror fan and you happen to be a fan of true crime, you definitely have to check it out. Um, I think it's definitely one of the like must-see series of 2021 for sure. Um, and then of course, because we loved the show so much, we had to go back and listen to the podcast. And um, I think the podcast is just as good as the show. It's different, of course. It's intriguing in its own way. And it's, you know, a little more straightforward, just like factual is where the show is. Um, it's a little more, of course, dramatic. Another series I want to talk about, um, again, is not straight up horror, but that is Only Murders in the Building. And it was a Hulu exclusive starring Martin Short and Steve Martin uh, and Selena Gomez. 
First of all, I was like, well, this cast seems fairly intriguing. Um, Steve Martin and Martin Short are, of course, always fantastic together. And I was like, they're matched up with Selena Gomez. This seems like kind of an odd group, but it also has like a little murder mystery tone to it. So if you like, you know, sort of that clue vibe and you like podcasts, it's uh, it's got some interesting things to say about podcasts and podcast culture and you know, how we're entertained by other people's misery and misfortune. And it's just a lot of fun. You know, a lot of times in the, the horror world, I mean, we, we like we like these dark things, these scary things and monsters and serial killers and all of that. But it's nice every once in a while to have a little palate cleanser. And um, for me, only murders in the building was that palate cleanser. This year was also a year of a lot of uh, like docu-series. Um, there was In Search of Darkness Part 2, which uh, In Search of Darkness is that super long deep dive into 80s movies. Uh, the first one was really fun, if not very long. Um, and so they released the second one. And I gotta say, like, the second one wasn't as entertaining. I don't know if it's something that I'll ever need to revisit. And I hear they're coming out with a third one. And I'm just like, we've already got eight hours of this. I think you guys need to pick a new decade. There is plenty of information about 80s horror out there. Um, let's talk about a less loved decade. You know, maybe the 2000s. Maybe let's go kick it back to the 60s. I don't think I need another four hours on uh, on 80s horror. But if you enjoyed In Search of Darkness 1... I feel like you got to watch In Search of Darkness, too. Just, you know, just to be a completionist. <laughs> Another little series was on Netflix, The Movies That Made Us, which is a show that's been around for a while. Uh, but around Halloween time, they released a new season that was almost all horror movies. And we got, of course, the same heavy hitters. We got Halloween. We got Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, then we got Alien and uh, Predator, maybe? That doesn't seem right. Um, anyway, that show is kind of an annoying show. Um, it works better with comedy and family movies, I think. Just the way it's edited and the way it's narrated is very, like, choppy and goofy and light. And it just didn't work as well when you're talking about horror movies. But again, I love, I always love those kind of documentaries that just talk about the history of movies and um, it was a good something to have on kind of in the background, you know, when you're like doing something else or you're not sure what to watch or you're not in the mood to like pay close attention to a movie. I'd say toss on the movies that made us in the background. Let it roll. You might you might learn something. I actually when we first started watching it, I told David, I was like, I'm not going to learn anything from this show. And then I did actually learn a couple of things I didn't know, even though I have spent hours hearing about the big tentpole franchises like we all have. In that same vein, uh, Shudder released a series called Behind the Monsters, and it focused more on the iconic killers of a particular franchise. So again, we got Halloween, Friday the 13th, Number on Elm Street. Then they also did one on Candyman, uh, Hellraiser, and Child's Play. So again, this is all very familiar territory. I, if I do not hear another making of behind the scenes for Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday 13th for the rest of my life, I'll be fine. I am saturated to death 
on the beloved icons. I really am. (laughs) And maybe that's just like spooky season fatigue talking, but like we got enough. Like I really want somebody to focus on something different that we don't have as much information on. And so that made the Candyman and the Hellraiser episodes uh, more interesting. The Hellraiser episode was by far the most interesting one. Um, Of course, we got to hear a lot about Clive Barker. We got to hear a little bit more of the origins of how Pinhead came to be and the costume designer. She spoke a lot about her sketches and working with Clive and how she brought it to life. You know, again, it's something that's great to put on in the background, but the Hellraiser one is probably the only one that I would say is really like a must-see. So yeah, my my hope is going into the rest of this decade that if somebody wants to, you know, dive into how a particular movie was made or how a particular character came about, I would just really like to hear about movies we don't already know and love and know so much about. Okay, now I want to talk about my two favorite things uh, that I saw this year that were new. Um, One's a movie, one's a series. The movie that I want to talk about is Candyman. Um, I have always loved Candyman. As you know, um, I did a whole series on the franchise. Uh, It's just one of those that are just just so good because it's scary, it's original, it's great visuals, it's a great villain. So when I heard that Jordan Peele was going to be producing a new Candyman, I just thought this is going to be great, or I hope that this is going to be great. I was very much looking forward to it. And so uh, I was very disappointed when it kept getting pushed back because of COVID. Um, However, I thought, you know, the studio must really believe in this movie because they're not just shoving it um, off to, you know, VOD streaming. They're going to wait. They really want this to be able to come out in theaters. Uh, That was a good sign for me. And so I just kept patiently waiting. And um, when it came out in theaters, I mean, I was there opening weekend. That might have been their opening day. And uh, not many movies draw me out like that. Uh, But Candyman did. And uh, it got some mixed reviews, I would say. But I really enjoyed it. I have few criticisms of it. Uh, You can hear my full thoughts on Straight Chilling. They invited me to come on and be a part of their review. So um, you can go to their feed and check that out for just extensive conversation. But just a 30,000 foot view. Uh, My only criticism really was the really on the nose uh, social commentary. Now, of course, um, Candyman has always had social commentary about racism and power and abuse and and trauma and all of those things. And so, of course, I I knew that uh, that was going to be present in the new one, um, especially because we had black filmmakers involved and, you know, there's there's new things in the racial conversation. And so I was was here for it. But the way they wrote it into the script, I mean, there was no subtlety. It was not handled, you know, artfully. It was just like, it's like they looked, broke the fourth wall, looked at you through the screen and said, this is what we are trying to say. Um, and I'm never a fan of that. I mean, I love when horror has deeper meaning. Most horror has deeper meaning. But um, I prefer it to be a little more subtly handed uh, so that I have to think about it a little more because I feel like in the long run, that's more impactful. However, saying that, I still loved it. Uh, I liked the characters. It was beautiful. It was creepy. 
Um, it's different, of course, than the 92 version. Um, the 92 version stands alone. It is what it is. Uh, but I really liked this new vision for Candyman. And um, I am excited to watch it again. Um, I haven't rented it again yet, but I, I will be because I want to I wanna give it a second look. Um, also, I want to mention the score, the soundtrack in that movie is fantastic, uh, which is saying a lot because the original Candyman score is a masterpiece. So they just, they really, I think, managed to take all of the ingredients that made the original one so great and kind of do their own take on it. And a lot of it was handled very successfully. So um, Candyman gives a thumbs up from me. And the last thing I want to talk about from this year is my favorite bit of horror from the whole year, heads and shoulders above everything else, Midnight Mass. Oh man, did I love Midnight Mass. Mike Flanagan is just a talented man. Uh, He understands horror, he understands storytelling, and he has managed to just do some really great things in the genre. The top of the list being Haunting of Hill House and now Midnight Mass. Uh, I don't think Midnight Mass is quite as good as Hill House, but it's close. And um, I didn't know anything about Midnight Mass going in. I watched the trailer, of course, but you don't you don't really know what's happening. You know, something clandestine and nefarious in the church. That's all you really know. So I don't want to spoil exactly what it is that's going on, but um, suffice to say, and I think it was the first or second episode, there was a moment where I was like, oh, this is this kind of genre. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. It's not my favorite genre. And then what they did with it was just such a fresh take on that genre that I was like, okay, I just, I'm just on board. And um, I saw a lot of criticism that was like, this show is boring. This show is slow. They need to cut out the dialogue. And I get it. Sure, there were a lot of monologues and a lot of dialogue in the show. But to me, I just think that's what pays off in the end. I didn't love every monologue, but I wouldn't have cut any of them out because character development and really building a world in a community is what Mike Flanagan is so good at. So I'm on board for it all. So if you're not a fan of slow burns, though, maybe this isn't the show for you. Um, but if you do, if you don't mind a little drama in your horror, um, if you like character development, if you like storytellers that take their time to build Midnight Mass. Now, I will go more into Midnight Mass in a later episode, um, which I will be talking about a little later. Moving on from the new things I saw to the things I saw that were new to me. So previously released stuff that I just hadn't gotten around to before that I did get around to watching this year. So what I want to do is start with the things that I didn't love and then move into the things that I really dug. So first up is The Lodge. I was excited when I first heard about The Lodge. I was like, ooh, this movie looks cool. And then I just never saw it. 
it was on my list, my Hulu list for like ever. And I was just never in the mood to watch it because I knew it was going to be a little darker, a little more of a downer. And I just wasn't ever in the mood to watch it. So there was one night I was home alone and I, and it was, it was probably November, maybe December. It was like the end of the year. Cause also I was like, it's snowy. It's Christmassy. I, I have to watch it during that time of the year. So the stars finally aligned where I was in the mood to watch something that was a downer and it was the right time of the year. Now, The Lodge, I have just heard, I've heard some people say they like it. I've just heard a lot of people say they really hate it and that they hate the end. And I was like, okay, what is the big deal here? So I have to say it was not what I was expecting exactly, but I enjoyed it. It was sort of Twilight Zone episode-ish. Again, it's a slow burn. I dig a slow burn, so I'm fine with it. There's a couple times that, you know, I thought, oh, it's this And then realized, oh, no, they want me to think that. That's not what it actually is. So it had me kind of guessing as to what's exactly going on here. And then the ending, I don't really understand why people hated it so much. Because once I did figure out what was going on, I was like, well, this movie can only end, you know, a couple of ways. And it ended one of the ways that I thought it might. So... Um, To me, I didn't love The Lodge. I don't know that I'll be in a hurry to revisit it, but it certainly does not deserve the hate that maybe it gets. I think maybe The Lodge suffers from what a lot of, we'll say, elevated horror suffers from, and that is a group of people like it, they overhype it, and then other people see it and they're like, well, that that wasn't that big of a deal. And so they overcorrect and say they hate it. So anyway... There's my brief thoughts on The Lodge, but it is a Christmas time horror movie and it's a lot darker than most Christmas time horror movies are. So like it's not campy, it's not tongue in cheek, it's not silly. I mean, it's very, very serious. So if you want to see a super serious movie set at Christmas time with some religious themes, The Lodge could be for you. Okay, the next movie I want to talk about, and this is kind of a hot take, is Mandy. I have heard people raving about Mandy for what, a year, two years. I can't remember when Mandy came out, but like I have literally heard not one bad thing about it. I was never really interested in it from the trailers I saw and just the synopsis. I just, I was like, this isn't, this is not intriguing me. So I watched it purely because I've heard so many people rave about it. And I thought, well, I need to check this out because clearly I'm missing out. And I have to say, I didn't love it. I think it was just okay. Um, I didn't dislike it, but I don't know that I'll ever watch it again. Visually, it was very cool. It was very trippy. Um, So I think just on like spectacle alone, it was very beautiful. It might be cool to have on like in the background at a Halloween party or something. I mean, it's got Nick Cage being Nick Cage, which is always fun, but... I just found myself not, I just wasn't engaged. And uh, I mean, I like, I was, I've tried to be, I put my phone down, I was like into it and I just was never engaged. And I probably the last 30 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes, probably. I mean, I just like completely checked out. So I'm sorry, everybody who loves Mandy. It just, I guess it just wasn't for me. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'll probably revisit it at some point, but I just, like I said, didn't love it. Another one that I've always heard about forever that I've been meaning to check out is uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Um, And I watched both the movie and then I watched some of the TV show. Um, I have to say I like the movie more than the TV show. 
Um, however, the TV show, I think, might be one of those things that the longer you watch it, it starts to grow on you. That's how uh, Schitt's Creek was for me. Like, the first three, four episodes we watched, I was just kind of like, well, whatever. And then after a while, you start to, like, live in that world and get to know the characters, and it grows on you. So, um, I want to keep watching the What We Do in the Shadows TV show and um, see if it hooks me a little more. And the movie, I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, again, I didn't like love it, but there were a few a few moments that, you know, definitely made me chuckle. But again, I think it suffers a little bit from maybe a little bit of, of overhype. I think it would be a good double feature with like a Shaun of the Dead or something. I will definitely be revisiting it. So moving on to the things that were new to me that I really liked. First of all, a TV show, Marianne. Uh, Marianne is on Netflix and uh, it's another one I've just heard people rave about and have been meaning to visit. Finally did it this year. Um, it took me a little while to get through it, but I enjoyed it all. It's about a writer. She's French. The whole series is French. It's in French. So if you don't like subtitles, well, you need to get over it and learn how to like subtitles. But the whole thing is subtitled. Um, but it's about a writer who writes stories about this witch named Marianne. And um, strange things start happening back in her hometown with this woman who is claiming to be Marianne. And so she has to go back to her hometown and unravel all of this. And so when she goes back to her hometown, she reunites with all of her friends and they have to kind of like band together to overcome this evil. And so there are some very unsettling, spooky parts, but because of the friend element, it, the whole thing reminds me a little bit of it. So if you like Stephen King, Marianne definitely has the Stephen King vibes. You can tell they were uh, definitely inspired by his work. Another one that I saw that I really liked is Under the Skin. And I ended up watching that for the Women in Horror Month episode. Um, so if you want to hear deep dive into Under the Skin, you can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, Under the Skin is one of those that's like... Again, horror adjacent, very kind of spacey and abstract, and um, a lot of what's in the movie isn't explicitly explained. Um, apparently, if you've read the novel, you know what's going on, but I, I'm not going to say a lot more about that one uh, because, like I said, you can go back to our Women in Horror Month episode from 2021 and, and really get a deep dive, um, but it's a good one. Next on the list is Lake Mungo. Uh, Lake Mungo was released, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe. It's one of those um, after dark horror movies that they used to do every year. It is found footage. It's a ghost story. And it starts as one thing and you're watching it and you're like, oh, okay, this is your typical like kid sets up cameras in the house and is like trying to catch a ghost and you think you know what's going on and then things change it changes in a very it was a very strange way about halfway through and even at that point where you're like okay well now I think I know what's going on it's, it changes again this movie sort of like shifts perspectives and shifts direct directions a couple of times in some really interesting ways and I mean it's a straightforward it's a ghost story but it's more unsettling than your typical found footage it has a little bit more soul and reality to it somehow and it's just very haunting it's, I found myself thinking about it a lot days after I watched it so if you like fun footage or you like a solid ghost story, uh, go back and check out Lake Mungo. 
And the last new to me movie that I want to talk about is Saint Maud. Um, I watched Saint Maud the same week that I watched Mandy. I had these two recommended to me. And um, Saint Maud, I did love. Um, of course, it's a religious horror, which I am always here for. Um, the lead actress is just fantastic. It gave me a little bit of Exorcism of Emily Rose vibes, even though the plot's not the same at all. But you're just watching this woman dealing with religious stuff, and you're not sure, is this real? Is this in her head? What's happening? And it just has a final scene that you will not forget. I love it when a horror movie really sticks the landing. I love a good final scene. And this movie, man, the final scene in this movie packs a punch. Um, so... There are some things I wanted to see this year that I did not get to see uh, that I would love to be talking about in my new stuff that I saw, but for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. So I need to catch up on a few things. Um, what I hope to catch up on in 2022 is Last Night in Soho, Censor, Titan. That's not how you say it. Titan? It's French. I'm not sure. And Antlers. Um, Antlers, I was going to go see it in the theater. I had a night to myself and I was like, oh, I'm going to go see either Antlers or Last Night in Soho is what I wanted to see in the theater. And both of those movies were only in the theater for like two seconds and they were gone, which is really, really frustrating. Like any decent studio release needs to be in the theater for at least a month, maybe two. I'm like, where where are these movies? <laughs> Um, I'm really looking forward to these four movies in particular, and I guess they'll have to be in my wrap-up next year. On that note about things being in theaters, I went to see Nightmare Alley last weekend and loved it. It's not horror, though. You know, Guillermo, he likes to hop that line and do a little horror, a little drama, a little fantasy, a little fairy tale. But Nightmare Alley was not horror really at all. I mean, some horrific things happen, but it's, it's not horror. But it is beautiful. Uh, super depressing, though. Guillermo's not afraid to take us to some dark places, but usually his movies end on some sort of a hopeful note or with some kind of resolution that makes us feel better about the world. Um, Nightmare Alley will not do that. So <laughs> be prepared to be amazed at just the beauty of uh, the actors and the makeup design and the sets, but do not expect to feel better about humanity when you walk out of that movie. However... That movie's not doing so well right now, and by the time this episode comes out, I mean, it might not be in theaters anymore, but anytime a movie that I really want to support comes out in theaters, I mean, guys, we got to get there and give them our dollars because, you know, pandemic stuff, big giant Marvel movies taking over, whatever the case is, we really need to show up and support these weird little movies. Not that Nightmare Alley is a little movie. It's not a little movie by any stretch of the imagination, but they're, they're not going to keep making the weird stuff that we love if we don't get out and support it. So please do that. That's my charge for 2022. Make sure you support the weird stuff that we love so they keep making it. And looking ahead to 2022, this year, I sort of took a break. I did not do an episode every month. I just sort of did an episode kind of when I felt like it um, because I didn't want to mandate episodes and then not put out stuff I really cared about. 
But I do have a few episodes already planned for this year, and so it looks like we're going back to regular monthly episodes, which I'm excited about. So for January, we're going to be talking about cursed objects, and so I'll be talking about Sinister and The Ring, and maybe one other. February, of course, Women in Horror Month. And um, I'm going to have a guest, a new guest. I'm going to have Jacqueline, who is one of the hosts of A Cut Above Horror Review. Super excited to have her on. And we will be talking about the most influential women in horror. And that's going to be past, present, future. Um, So hit me up and let me know who you think the most influential women in horror are. It can be an actor, a writer, a producer, a podcaster, any woman in the horror genre, any media. And then in March, I think I'm finally going to do it. Uh, I'm finally going to do an episode on religion and horror, which is huge for me because it's such an important subject to me. I have kind of avoided it for a long time because I wasn't sure uh, what angle to tackle it from. Do I want to do it on my own? Do I want to invite other people on? But I've decided for this first episode, it's just going to be me. And um, there might be more religion and horror episodes later where I invite other people on. There's just a lot to cover. However, I will be covering in this first religion and horror episode, I'm specifically going to be talking about Midnight Mass, St. Maud, and I'm not sure what else. Uh, Those two for sure. Maybe The Exorcist, although, I mean, The Exorcist has been done to death. There's a million ways we could go, Uh, but I definitely want, want to definitely want to dig into Midnight Mass for sure. Um, so that's, that's kind of it. That's been my year in horror. It's been a little all over the place. Um, as always, I am so thankful for this genre, you know, especially during difficult times in society and humanity. Horror just, it's a go-to. It's like a warm blanket. Uh, you know, it, I, like I've, I've said for a long time, like horror is not afraid to like ask difficult questions and to tell you the truth and to really dig into the stuff. And uh, it's almost like therapy sometimes. So I am super thankful for uh, the horror genre in this during this time. And before I go, I want to see how thankful I am for you, the listener, and the larger horror community. Um, I have never found a group of people more willing to share and be supportive of one another. Um, and I think it's because, you know, we're, we're all a little different. We see the world a little differently. We're into weird things, you know? And so when we find each other, you know, we're like, oh, we can all be dark and weird together. So it's it's just great to be a part of this community. And so I'm looking forward to what the coming year brings our way. So to all my fellow weirdos out there, stay safe, stay warm, and happy new year. Thanks for tuning in. You can find the show on Instagram and Facebook at Light and Shadow Pod. If you really love the show, you can sign up to become a supporter on Patreon for early access to all episodes and more. Please rate, review, and subscribe to help other people find the show. Until next time, stay spooky. Spooky.